Uh, good evening, everyone. It's so good to be here with you. Um, we're going to see that Love Nations video, I'm sure, a couple of times. There's actually a bit that you mustn't miss where Becca Bailey nearly breaks her ankle. And next time you watch, we can celebrate the fact that she didn't break her ankle. But it's a good comedy moment. She was cringing in her seat, and I thought it would be worth sharing that with the rest of everyone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, uh, this uh, last week or so, we have been engaging in what we call the Encountering God Weeks. Everyone enjoyed their week, Encountering God? Yeah. Yes, we've uh, tried to sort of give this week over to prayer, fasting, seeking God, and hundreds of people across the city been praying for a number of different things. And uh, thank you so much for those of you that joined in with that. I hope more than anything it is setting... A, a rhythm, a, a, a thing in your heart that says, yes, I do want to get time with Jesus every day. Uh, to be honest, that's like one of the basic ways that we grow as Christians, getting time to be with God. And a couple of quick resources that for me have helped me over the years just keep that consistency of time with Jesus. One is just the Bible in a year and you can pick them up online or you can actually get the book in front of you. And that's lasted me for years, just gives you a certain reading from old and new New Testament and Psalms uh, every day. And then this, uh, which I, I just can't recommend more highly, um, uh, I think we've got it on the screen, how to read the Bible book by book. If you, like me, like get through your sort of your Bible in a year, but you have days where you have no idea what you are reading, and you still read it anyway because, you know, you're a little bit legalistic and want to do it, but you just get to the end of it and like, I have no idea what that was about. This book will unlock it all for you. It basically is sort of like a book by book guide to the Bible, then a verse by verse guide. Uh, very trustworthy authors, Fee and Stewart, and will, I guarantee you will transform your readings if you're trying to do a Bible in a year. So highly recommend it. Anyone else got this book? Good? So good, so good. Thank you. Great. Well, if you've got a Bible, uh, do you want to get it out? Uh, we're looking at a book in the New Testament written by Luke, and it's called The Book of Acts. And uh, I'm very, very excited that we get to spend our time together in Acts 2, 42 to 48 tonight. Um, I, I, was an, I, I was an atheist growing up, became a Christian when I was 14, uh, backslid sadly in my late teenage years and first year of university I sort of really tried to walk away from my faith but in my second year of university I met with God in a very powerful way and God graciously sort of brought me back into his family and there was an intense season of me uh, for me of uh, preparation and God speaking to me and changing my life and during that time there was a moment I remember very distinctly with someone praying for me and they asked me a question that I hadn't really been asked before. Um, uh, and they said to me, what do you think God wants from your life? And it was a moment where I knew almost like what came out of my mouth would be quite significant for the rest of my life. And I found myself uttering the words, I want to plant a church like I read about in the book of Acts. And the passage that I was referring to when I said that out loud is the passage that we're going to study tonight. And this passage is so crucial to what it is to be the church and to build the church. And I really believe that as we look at it tonight, it will give us a moment to look at the vision of the church and what it is that we're trying to do together. So the plan for tonight is we're just going to work our way through verse by verse. And I've got a few things that I'd like to sort of talk about in terms of what we're going for as church family. 
So actually, let's start in verse 38. Uh, Peter, he's the leader of the early church, replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit has been poured out on the disciples. Uh, All craziness breaks out as that happens. A crowd gathers, and then Peter stands up, and he preaches sort of his first sermon. And at the end of it, he says to everyone, repent and believe the good news. And before we actually get to the definition of church, it's here we find the definition of what is a Christian. And if you're on a journey into faith, and you're wondering, what actually is it to be a follower of Jesus? Here it is in this verse. Being a Christian is someone who's repented from their sin... So you've realized the error of your ways without God. You've believed in Jesus and all that he achieves for you at the cross and in the resurrection. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. God's life comes and fills you. And then you're baptized as a sign, as a demonstration of what's happened in your heart. It is an amazing life that Peter is calling these people into. And today could be the day of salvation for you if you choose to follow Jesus. If you've not yet like given your life to Christ, this amazing life that we get when we follow him, why delay anymore? Why delay anymore? You receive forgiveness of sins, a fresh start, new purpose in life. You get to join this worldwide family and local family that cares for you and loves you. Don't delay. And that's Peter's message. His passion, verse 39, continues. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So this new life is not just for them, but it's actually for their children as well. Peter is thinking legacy and we should too. And I know for many of you, that's, it's very early for you to be thinking about children. But you must realize that if you have become a Christian, then it not just affects your life, but the family that you're a part of. And my dream in Mosaic is that we see our kids go much further than us. That we help raise our kids up in sort of knowing who Jesus is so they don't make the same mistakes that we we made uh, and they experience church in all its fullness and they don't have to go away to receive everything from God but they experience it here in our fellowship together and they go on to do some great things for the Lord amen amen that's a deep hope for us verse 41 those who accept that accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day so Peter preaches 3,000 Jews who are listening they repent and they believe the good news and they were baptized and I imagine in the moment it was it was very challenging um, I, very few of you know what it's like to have a baby, but having a baby is challenging. But what's even more challenging is that it isn't over and done with within a few weeks. You have a whole life of raising these kids. And it's the same when people become Christians, if you like, are baby Christians. And for the 120 believers who gathered around Jesus, received the Spirit, each one of them, after this sermon, was presented with 25 baby Christians to look after 3,000 in total I don't know how you would feel about that if someone sort of said your job for the next few months is to look after these 25 new believers for them as they worked out they realized they couldn't do it as individuals they needed to do it together so it's not very individualistic this this is all about being community together so verse 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching 
and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So this is such an incredible picture. You've got miracles, healings, generosity, commitment to meet in the large gatherings like this and also in the home. There's worship, there's joy. That's the dream right there. And I hope you believe that that's still our dream today, to build a church that looks a little bit like this one. And then we have the results of such devotion and commitment. Verse 47, uh, as they're praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So each day, more people were saved, baptised, entered the community, and that was normative. That was the expectation in in the, the people. And I find it absolutely fascinating that this blueprint, this sort of building blocks for what every church should look like around the globe, is sort of sandwiched in between two accounts of people coming to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. If you like, the sandwich, the filling, is what we've just read, is what the community looked like. But the bits of bread, that sort of the, if you like, the bookends to the whole thing, are people being saved. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptised. There were about 3,000 added. Verse 47, and the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Interesting. You know, in the last year, um, I stood out up about this time uh, for the vision talk in January, and I said I felt that God was leading us into a year of maturity. And I've got to be honest with you, last year was a, just a brilliant year of seeing God mature us as a church. Uh, we've grown now to around something like 500 people that are part of our community in our three sites, four services. Um, we saw 20 people saved and baptised and added into our family last year. Our net growth, you know, as people come and go, our net growth was about 10% last year. We also trusted God for about a £50,000 increase in our budget and God provided that wonderfully. We've been able to give away something like about £35,000 this year to invest in uh, church planting and mission work both here and abroad. We've had over 30-something people do our discipleship track. Uh, we've had a, such a fruitful intro course at so this time last year. I think we had about 30 or so uh, guests come along to intro. and We're trusting God again for this year. We've started new mission groups and brilliant groups going on. Uh, we're trying to grow our leaders. So just so you know, currently there are three elders at Mosaic. We've actually invited three other leaders to come and sit in on that team. So they get exposure and uh, sort of experience at what it is to elder the church. Uh, Matt Jones is being asked from the south. Ian Walker is being asked from uh, the north. And our very own Rich Bradley is being invited into that uh, from Hyde Park Headley. And Ollie was pleased about that. So yeah, right, I'm really excited. And it's fantastic. It felt very polite, that applause, didn't it? Yes, we approve, yes. Um, and uh, it's brilliant, you know, maturity, fruitfulness, just really feel it this year. God has been good to us. But listen, this year, um, like the church in Acts, if there is one word to describe what I'd like to go for, it would be growth. That's the word I believe that God just wants to highlight to us this year. I'd like for us to go all guns blazing for growth, trusting God 
for growth. For that to happen, the implication is that we all need to grow in our evangelism and mission. Me, you, all of us, all of us need to grow. And we, your leaders, want to lovingly shepherd you uh, to mature in your witnessing. If you've been around a mosaic for a little while, you know that we hardly ever do the numbers. Like for us, that's not something we've just done over the years. We've tried to avoid it uh, because sometimes when you talk about numbers, it can feel a bit like empire building. It can feel like we're trying to grow the best church in the world. And we are. But, you know, there is a sense of we believe we do that with brothers and sisters outside of this local church that often are doing a better job than us. So it's not about empire building for us, but we've tried to just avoid those pitfalls. But as I sense God leading us into this word growth, I felt just provoked to not throw the baby out with the bathwater and to talk about some numbers because behind the numbers of people and people matter to God, don't they? And so some numbers are really important. So, for example, there are 2.5 million people that live within a 30-minute drive from this place. And under 1% of them know about Jesus. Just less than 5 to 10 minutes drive away from this place are something like 80,000 students that go to the universities of Leeds. And again, less than 1% of them know Jesus. There are tens of different nationalities in this multicultural city, many of whom have never heard about Jesus before they came to this city, who are not reflected yet in the diversity of our congregation. Those people matter to God and those people should matter to us. And so those numbers really matter. And so just to broaden this out a little bit, the next three years, it's going to be 2020, in three years' time, you realise that. Our 2020 vision is to grow to a church of 750. So that is something we just want to go for because we know that number represents lives transformed by Jesus. If we just grow by 10% for the next three years, we will get to 750 people by 2020. I guess the important thing I want to communicate about that is that I would love at least 50% of those people that join our church to be new Christians, to be people that are coming to faith, being baptised and being brought into our family. And I'd like just to sneak this in at the side over the next three years. We've got to plant at least one church. We can easily do that, can't we? We've got to do that at the same time. So currently, we're seeing one person become a Christian and get baptised every three weeks. What I would like to see is by 2020, we're seeing one person saved, baptised every week. And I long inwardly for a day where we see a person saved every day like they see in Acts 2. But I think one person every week is a great thing for us to go for. Don't forget these numbers that I'm giving you represent people and that is our heart. We want to see people's lives transformed and we want to see more lives transformed. There's a young person that comes to our North Gathering who comes from a non-Christian background, he just just out of the blue started to show an interest in God and he heard one of our young people went to church at his school. And so he asked him whether he could come to church. He came to church, I think one of his first weeks was a baptism Sunday. I grabbed him afterwards and he was just beaming. And he'd never been in worship before, uh, corporate worship. And he just said, it's just so amazing to worship Jesus. 
and this young lad has come to know God and uh, it's people like him that we're here for. It's people like him whose life will be completely different because of the person he's met in Christ. So let's be a people who want that. Let's be a people that, that pray for growth. You know, let's be a church that learns to reorientate our lives towards the lost. A church that has such a spirit-filled life that the bookends to our community are people being saved weekly. You know, what's wonderful is that when I preach this message, I feel that I'm preaching to a church that really wants it. You know, when I when I I feel I, I'm not struggling for you guys to agree with this, gent. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like you're with me, but you and I know the biggest challenge is living it out, is putting this into practice. And so I just want to spend a little bit of time on this before we finish. In my experience over the years, for, for things to go from just a good idea to actually lived out change, you need to do a couple of things. You need to not only act differently, but you need to think differently. If you just act differently, change the externals, then you run out of energy over time. That's why sort of 90% of New Year's resolutions never work. You've got to change your thinking, and actually that's the most important thing. If you change your thinking about something, your behaviour often naturally follows. And so if we are going to be a community that grows, that reaches out, that engages with our communities, that finds people open to the gospel, we have to think and act differently. Okay, everyone with me? If we're going to grow in this, we've got to do something a bit different. And so let me give you three things that I'm going to ask you to think differently in 2017. Number one, we need to think differently about our guilt when it comes to sharing Jesus. Listen, there is never enough evangelism. You can always do more. Those moments in the shower, you could be doing something i'm sure in those moments evangelistically but you don't there's only a certain amount of t- I, I don't quite know how that went down i was just thinking of like time that you you're not evangelizing and it's okay but i lost everyone there let me just step back start that point again there's never enough time to do all the evangelism that we could do and we'll never evangelize enough and there will always be someone better than us at evangelism, won't there? There's, there's always someone that, that's better than us. Most of us find it hard, so I'm proposing for us just, let's get over that. Let's just get over it. What about instead of having feelings of guilt and hopelessness, we realise that God uses everyone who makes themselves available. And that's the criteria more. If you make yourself available how can we be confident that god loves to use people that make themselves available well the command of matthew 28 go and make disciples of all nations the great commission goes hand in hand with acts 1 verse 8 you should receive power to do what to be my witnesses and so god asks everyone to make disciples and then promises to enable everyone to make it happen so everyone say everyone everyone God asks everyone to make disciples and then promises to enable everyone to do it. That's why with boldness, with security, we can say that the the thing that propels us into evangelism is not our skills, not how brilliant we are at it, but rather our availability. So let's get over the guilt that we feel. If 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 your life doesn't, if you're a Christian in the room and your life doesn't have any evangelism, I just want to say to you, your thinking's wrong. 
Your thinking's wrong. If you, you never bother because of this inbuilt feeling of I'm rubbish at this, your thinking is wrong. If you say, I'll leave it to someone else, someone more godly, someone who's got their act together, someone who's just good with the words, someone who's good with the apologetics, then your thinking is wrong. And ultimately, it's wrong thinking about God and his promises. There's a young lad who comes to North who wasn't a Christian this time last year, needed some help in the workplace and spotted someone who actually comes to Mosaic who was just beavering away and asked her for some help with work and she gladly gave it. And he sort of was quite touched that he, she stopped her work to help him. And they started to sort of get to know each other a little bit. And eventually she asked him if she wa- he wanted to come to a social that actually her mission group were doing. But she just said, do you want to come and hang out with some of my friends? He did. Loved it. A little bit later on, a few months later, she said, I'm oh, moving house. Would you mind giving me a hand moving house? And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. And he pitched up and there were 20 people from her mission group who were all there helping her move house. And he was like, what is this community? few months later, a bit more hanging out, sharing life, someone invited him to church and so he came to church and it was just a few months later that he gave his life to Jesus and we baptised him just a few months ago. All this lady did was work hard, so she was a good witness, and she was open to inviting him into her community. Your workplace, your university needs your witness. Think differently about your guilt. Make yourself available. Amen? Amen. Secondly, we need to think differently about God's desire to save people. You see, it's so easy for our faith to be crushed when our work colleagues or our friends seem so resistant to the gospel. And if we're not careful, we can actually become riddled with unbelief. We can become riddled with this huge sense of uh, feeling like I'm never going to see anyone saved around here. And I want to say to you that that thinking is wrong. Listen, if we think evangelism is something I do for God, then our thinking is incorrect. Evangelism is not something you do for God. Evangelism is our commitment to what God is already doing. God takes the initiative for the rescue. God is a missionary God. God is seeking and saving the lost. Evangelism is just joining him in that. And personally, as I've from time to time forget about that and believe the lies about God's desire and ability to save people and feel crushed and heavy with this load of things, oh, I must be evangelistic, but it's just so dead out there. I remind myself that God has actually promised for us to see a harvest of people coming to know Jesus. I said this at the prayer meeting um, on Thursday, but there's something about trusting and appealing to God in, in God's character in evangelism that really sets us free from the doubt that fills our minds sometimes. Uh, as a dad, often when my kids ask me for stuff, I often say yes and sometimes I say no. And really the only thing that changes my mind when I say no is when my kids utter sort of three words of power. And those three words of power are, Dad, you said. Dad, you said. And I'm like, I did say, oh, that's so rubbish because I'm going to have to do it now. I need to say yes because by saying, Dad, you said yes, they're appealing to my whole sense of integrity as a dad and my whole sense of 
being a trustworthy father and if I've said something then I should stick with it and you know as Christians when we approach our earthly father we can say things like father you said you said something like John 4 verse 35 don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest I tell you open your eyes look at the fields they are ripe for harvest we can say to God even if it looks like a desert we can say Lord you promised in your word that these fields would be ripe until harvest. And so I'm going to enter this field as your worker, expecting the harvest to come. Can you see it's thinking differently about places that look barren and unsavable? It gives us faith. Faith isn't just trying hard. It's faith. Well, faith is faith in God and God's ability to do it. And thirdly, we need to think differently about our fears. The number one enemy of sharing about Jesus to our friends is fear. Fear of looking silly. Fear of rejection, of getting it wrong, of persecution, of losing a friendship, of offending someone. And the list goes on and on and on. And you know what? The only way through fear, fear of man, the only way through fear of man is to fear God more. You need to know that. Reverend fear means we want to please God rather than ourselves or others. It's the only way through. And we see it in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread and to prayer. That word devotion to me stands out, doesn't it? What does devotion mean? Devotion means like dedication, commitment, wholeheartedness in an ongoing, habitual sort of way. Devotion means God first. In everything. You know, our life is full of stuff that we're devoted to. But in order to get through on the fear of man, we needed to be devoted to God. If you haven't told people about your faith because of fear, your thinking is wrong. If your devotion is mixed, your thinking is wrong. I love that all these new believers live so provocatively that... um, that they enjoyed the favour of all the people. You notice that. That's, that's the people looking on to what their family looked like. People respected and admired someone who lived out what they believed. And I want to call us to do the same. So listen, we're going for a year of growth. The implication is for all of us, we need to reach out to people in order to grow. And to do that, we need to change our thinking. We need to think differently about our guilt about God's ability to save and about our fear. And lastly, let me just give you a couple of things that I think we can do to act differently. Number one, I want to call you to prioritising sharing your life and faith with people. You see, most people become interested in Christianity through becoming friends with one. And I want to, us to grow in the prioritisation of those sorts of friendships. For some, we have acquaintances or work colleagues, people that we sort of know, that perhaps they know about our faith, but we don't take things any further than that. We're not really sharing our lives. We're not really connecting as a friendship. And because of that, it's very hard to make the invite or to make the ask or to talk about your testimony because it feels a bit like you're going all Christian on them or you're sort of being quite heavy-handed or you're selling something to them because they don't know you. They just know of you. And so 
what I'm trying to say is, if we prioritise sharing our lives and faith with people, it means that we are letting people in. We are becoming the sort of people that don't just live in a sort of a Christian friendship bubble, but we truly have friends that know us well and we know them well, that are outside of this family. We're seeing it. Um, all over the shop. I love the fact that Share English engages with about 150 plus now international students and doesn't just do that but is so good at just making friends and sharing life and sharing meals and all that sort of stuff. And there is massive potential in our student groups because if you're a student here, you're in the season of life where it's easiest to share your life because you're living with people, you're lectures every day, you've got study together, you've got loads of stuff happening in teams and social stuff that means you can share in a way that's very different from when you get into the workplace. But I wonder what is it for you or your mission group? The issue is, will we live differently to make this happen, to make it more than just a good aspiration? You know, just Pip and I have been asking these questions. How do we, as like someone who works full-time with Christians, and for my wife who's a midwife, what does that look like for us to reprioritize? And something we're trying to pull off uh, in the next couple of months is we're going to run a little uh, sort of marriage evening for quite a few of her friends uh, in the hospital. For Pip, she spends most of her breaks sort of almost doing relationship counseling um people sort of make appointments to talk to her about stuff and uh they're all women and we very much want to bring the men into that discussion as well and pip and i absolutely love talking about sort of deeper things and how to make relationships work and grow and so we feel that would be for us a bit of a starting point to meet people and get me especially meeting uh, some of the men in the relationships. And we hope from them some friendships and some shared life will come. And to be honest, I, th- I feel like we're a little bit behind a lot of you guys in just trying to make those sort of relationships. But be honest with yourself tonight. You know, if you're asking, how do I fit this in around everything else? you're asking the wrong question. If you're asking, how on earth do I fit this stuff around everything else, you're asking the wrong question. What would happen if we all prioritise this and make everything else revolve around it? That's what I'm asking of you guys. Like for this to bring change to our lives, for us to be a growing church, this can't just be an add-on anymore. This can't be something we do if we've got time for but rather this has got to be something we think and act differently about. And so I, I'm, I feel one of my jobs and our jobs as, as pastors here is to direct you to how the Bible calls us to live and gently lead you to that place. And I do feel generally as a church we're really good at making those initial acquaintances with non-Christians. And many of us get stuck at that point. And it's often because we're too busy to do anything else. Some of this is reusing time that we would spend doing something already and meal times especially are, are those moments in our lives that I think we can do in a bit more intentional way. Uh, we all need to eat. We all need to sit down uh, for half an hour, for an hour 
and, and eat. And it's those moments that I would particularly like us to redeem. But to be honest with you, let's go on a journey with this. Let's really work out how to do it. Let's support one another in these sort of reprioritization. Let's go on a journey to experiment a little bit. Let's try some things. Let's do some new stuff. Please look at your lives and say, if I was just to take everything away and put sort of this sharing my life with unbelievers, what would it look like? What would need to just sort of move and reposition for that to happen? Uh, it may be that you need to stop doing a few things. It may be you need to run out the room at any point and, oh, he's coming back down. That's nice. That's good. Um, it may be that, you know, there's a sense in which things uh, do need to just get moved around a little bit for us to do this. Right, I'm running out of time, so let me just skip that and go to this. I've got two things I would like to communicate at the end. At High Park Henley, that we've got, a, I think, a specific sort of outworking of this vision for growth that we wanted to share. Um, our hope is that we will obviously grow in depth, maturity, which is sort of a given, but we want to grow wider as well, which is reaching more people. Uh, width, sort of growing in terms of growing in width for things like our intro course, which we're starting in just a couple of weeks' time. That's a great opportunity to step out in evangelism. Uh, we've got a new uh, group that we're really supporting called Journey Makers. Uh, it's a new club that's championed by Jack Childecott, who is at the back there in the middle with his hand raised, where we're seeking to build a relationship with a local primary school and run an after-school club, reaching kids, reaching families with the gospel and seeing them hopefully in time brought into church. That stuff is great. All these groups, mission groups, represent our heart to see the lost reached. And I guess our big news in terms of this facilitating growth is that we're moving from the cinema. Um, we've just handed our notice this week uh, to the guys. And it's a funny mixed feel. I don't know if you feel like this, but as I walked in today, I was like, I'm really sad because I love this place and I've got so many great memories. This is where we've always been as a community. And the seats are really comfortable. <laughs> and, you know, there's really great things about this place, but there's also massive limitations and so some of the limitations are is that we're stuck in terms of we've got an hour and a half and it means we can't do much with our, our service. It means we can do even less in terms of socialising and we really feel like that's if we're going to knit people into our family, we want a, a venue that can accommodate that. We'd also like some flexibility with the timings. We're not going to change things too radically, but we're just playing about whether we should move things a little bit earlier so we can accommodate families. How you realise that 5.45 is the, the bandwidth is basically students and graduates. If you are a family, you will not come to church at 5.45. We've got to move a bit earlier. So we're just thinking about 4 o'clock, something like that. So we're not too early. So you, can, you might have to set your alarm to get up by then. <laughs> but... Uh, nothing too too early because I realised that we were in a bit of a sweet spot here but we've got to reach out more we've got to grow we've, it's part of, uh, of what God's called us to so we're going to be moving to Leeds Beckett University they've got a brilliant venue just uh, right in the, sort of the edge of the, the town just sort of down from the Parkinson steps 
uh, we've just signed a contract with them where we're going to be moving after Easter, which is absolutely fantastic because that's been a very, very long journey and we're super excited. We're going local for students and particularly international students, but because sort of we're nearer the city, it also gives us sort of a city-wide appeal and I hope both those things happen. In terms of multiplying, because we're sort of going to move the service a little bit earlier, new location, we're just going to delay the multiplication to a morning meeting just a little bit longer. It, uh, for those of you who know, it's complicated, what, like all the different things that need to be in play for that multiplication to happen. But we feel we're hitting a good halfway house in sort of making, like it'd be great, wouldn't it, to do like kids' teas and have a little crash team. And, you know, when we move to set that up in faith, you know, trusting that kids will start to come so that's a huge part of uh, what we're going to be doing in terms of shaping up for growth we also want to keep going deeper in God you know the growth is numbers but the growth is also about our maturity and that must continue and I guess we just still want this to be a place that really enables you to follow Jesus to become a disciple that makes disciple and we feel the grace on us as a church is that, you know, the time that you spend here is precious to us because we want to utilize every moment to help you grow in your faith. And whether you stay or whether you go, you will be a blessing wherever you are. But listen, if you're a third year right now and you are thinking about your future, let me just make an appeal to you. Please would you pray about staying in Leeds. Like for many of you third years, there's this autopilot which says, I'm here for three years and then I go home. Um, just think about the fact that over the last few years, you've invested so much of your life into this city and to this church community. You've got many friends here, contacts here. You, you may be in a church for the first time where you're growing and you feel loved. You've got friendships. Please don't throw that away too quickly. Our dream is to see a student revival like there's never been at the universities in Leeds. We, we long to see a movement of people which uh, sees people saved but given this fresh vision for not only reaching Leeds but reaching the nations of the world. That's why we planted this church in Leeds is that we wanted to see students on fire for the gospel and taking it wherever God sends them. And the grace on us as a church is I think we're good at training people and equipping them to do that. And so if you're a third year, you can, uh, you know, most people that do stick around, they don't regret it. They either try and find a job or make their first step in the career ladder. Some people do our year um, serving the church called FP Frontier Project. There's loads of options. But I just wanted to make that appeal to you if you're still deciding. If you don't know, why not stay? Why not help us build something here for the glory of God? And lastly, oh man, I'm so out of time. I'm so sorry. Let me just whiz through this. I've got to say this though, just to give you the heads up. In about six weeks time, so last week of February, first week of March, we're going to be holding a special offering. We do this sort of every couple of years or so and we're looking to trust God for about £75,000. And the reason we sort of making this ask is that the majority of this sort of money that we're wanting to raise that's extra from our normal budget is going to again stimulate uh, provide stimulus uh, i hope and pray to us growing some of the headlines are we're investing in families we're investing in holbeck and we can tell you about that later but a massive thing is currently rich bradley he just works part-time this is actually one of our biggest gatherings and he is if you've ever tried to hang out with Rich, you know, he's like massively busy and stretched. 
Well, hopefully uh, in the next few months we're going to be releasing him to work full-time for serving this gathering. And it means he's going to have time to pastor, to invest in people, to help spur us on into sort of some of the mission that God's called us to do. And so we'd love to raise money to make that happen. We're also ploughing in an extra £10,000 locally um, across the gatherings just to put into sort of evangelism mission, us sort of pushing us out. And so I'd love you to be asking God how you can give generously to this. Listen, there's, there's never any pressure, never any obligation. More than anything, this is an opportunity for you to grow in the way that you trust God. We always say that, don't we? This is a discipleship moment. You know, what you do with your finances is between you and God. We can only appeal to you and say, live a generous life because God has been generous to you. And if you believe in what we're trying to do as a church family, then I hope you feel this ownership. You see £75,000, you think, yeah, I can own a bit of that. Uh, One of my kids came to the prayer meeting on Thursday, heard about this. On Friday, was asking if we could go shopping on Saturday, yesterday. And I said, what do you want to go shopping for? And he said, I want to make some buns. And I said, what do you want to make buns for? And he said, well, I'm going to sell them on our street. And I was like, why do you want to sell buns on our street? And he said, £75,000, Dad. We've got to raise some money. I love it. I love it. So he got it. He's like, he saw the thing and it's like, this is our family. I've got, you know, and he hasn't got any money. So he's like, I'm going to ask people for money and then I'll give that. I think, great. And I'd love you guys to do the same. Love it. If you think about doing a bun sale for your street, that's the way we're going to do it. So 2017, I really want it to be a year of growth. Amen? A year of growth. Because growth represents people and people matter to God. The way we will do it together is that we need to think differently, don't we? We need to think differently about the way we do our witnessing. Think differently about the guilt we feel, about God's ability to save and some of the fears that we have. And we need to act differently. And I'm asking you to review your life. Like if evangelism isn't a thing that's happening right now, review your life. Make it something that you aspire to and trust that God will empower you for it. Thank you so much for listening so well. That's what we're doing this year. Uh, Do you want to stand to your feet?